Hey guys, welcome to the Stats Sessions podcast. I'm Abhilash and I'll be your host for today. Uh, we have Max Ambuster on the podcast today. Max is the CEO of Talkpush. Talkpush makes recruitment fun and personal by making it easy for candidates and employees to start a conversation. Talkpush enables billions of conversations every year. Welcome to the podcast, Max. Thank you, Abhilash. How, how are you doing? How are things back there? Uh, well, I'm... Um... I'm calling you uh, from Hong Kong, where things are pretty quiet. The bars are closed at 9 p.m., which is a very early time to uh, to shut things down by Hong Kong standards. Uh-huh. Understandable in the current situation. How's work and how's everything else? Well, we're having a very busy year. Talkbush is, as as you as you may know, very focused on high volume recruitment situations. So we we help with company we help companies who hire thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of people every year. And our world has been you know, shaken and changed in 2020 with a lot of the volume moving online uh, and a lot of recruitment was still happening in person, in, in the physical world, and, and that has shifted. And of course, a lot of people also entered the, the started looking for a job, you know, started to, to become active job seekers. And so our volumes of candidates have multiplied by 300, have increased by 300% over the last four months. Uh, And they were already very high, you know, they were already our highest ever. So we're we're a little bit, you know, surprised by just the amount of volume of transactions that are happening in in the job space right now. Uh, That does not necessarily relay in increase in revenue unfortunately for us. But I mean, the revenue is, is uh, holding up and uh, growing, but, but not growing as fast as the, the volume of transactions. Noted, Max. I understand like because of uh, the entire situation, like I think from March this year, everything is shaken up. Like all industries have seen like a big change. And I definitely expect Talk Push to have like a lot of traffic coming in. I'd like to also understand more about career and how you ended up building TalkPush initially. TalkPush was created after I had already, it's my second recruitment software SaaS company. So I already knew the space and, you know, it's, it's very difficult to sell software in emerging markets because uh, the, the decision cycles are, are a little bit slower budgets are smaller and so you know it doesn't seem like a very attractive space for entrepreneurs to operate in which is why they always go to america to go build a company but i i thought about that as as an advantage i thought well if i'm focused on the emerging markets and i don't care about you know making the big bucks initially i I can give myself time to build an interesting product and you know looking back that was like seven six six seven years ago when i started thinking about this, it seemed to me that because it looked like a, a difficult space to be in, that, that I would have less competition and so I would have more time to, to find success. And in the journey of TalkPush, I want to understand, like, I see that it's more of like a conversational aspect where people can go ahead and enable uh, a conversation and get started with their recruiting process. So I just wanted to understand like what kind of challenges did you see in this particular space and how did you bring, how did you end up building the conversational aspect into the talk push? Well, the, the foundation, we saw that uh, asking candidates for a resume and then selecting them through their resume does not 
does not work very well for a lot of jobs because you may have a very average resume and be a very good candidate and vice versa. And so there's the there's correlation, of course, but it's not it's not very strong. There's a much stronger correlation on adequacy for the job based on uh, listening to the candidates and what they have to say about themselves. Uh, certainly for jobs that are customer facing, sales and jobs like that. And so initially, from the beginning, we that, that was our focus. It's like, let's, let's let the candidate talk. And we would, you know, it was before we had a chatbot and before we did conversational AI, we would call candidates on the phone and we would record their voice. And now we do it a lot over chats and we, because in 2016, Facebook opened its API for Facebook Messenger. We got, we got on that immediately, saw the opportunity to go you know, beyond the phone call and, and into, into the messaging world. And, and then that, that took off, but it was a natural continuation of our intention, which was give a voice to the candidates because it's more interesting to let people talk than to ask them for a document. Also, this particular change, like I believe uh, like back in 2016-17, when you guys uh, got access to uh, the Facebook API, like it would have been very new for candidates to actually reach out via like a, uh, via uh, video and chat. So I wanted to understand, how, did you see any difficulties in people adopting to this or was it like a natural progression? Well, um, for candidates, it's not that difficult. It's in the sense that they already use these medium to communicate with their friends, with their family. And so the consumers are actually more advanced in their behavior than most of the companies give them uh, you know, credit for. But I've had this objection time and time again, especially in the early days where the, the buyer, meaning the company, the employer would tell me, oh, you know, we're not dealing with very sophisticated talent pool. And so they're, they're not going to want to do chats with a chatbot on, on the messenger on WhatsApp. A very common objection that we would get. And, and, and then, you know, it, it didn't I say, well, actually, what do you think they do all day? <laughs> you know, everybody is on WhatsApp and messenger all day talking with, with their friends. So what do you think they do? I mean, the first time I personally received a video phone call on Facebook messenger, was from my was from my my wife's uh, grandmother, you know, she's 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 not a, she's not a, an engineer, <laughs> she never was. She's a grandmother, and and yet she was perfectly able to handle that technology. And so I think I think usually enterprise is a little slow to realize how fast the consumer behaviors are changing, and this is the opportunity for the startup world is you see you see consumer behaviors change fast, you jump on that, and then you build a nice interface that that makes that kind of consumerizes the experience. Absolutely, Mike. Oh, that was quite an interesting insight there. I also want to understand like two pastors, like one is from a candidate's perspective and one is from the hiring company's perspective. Now, uh, since there's a lot of inflow from candidates and it's easy for them to get started with uh, sending, like converging via chat and with video, like does it also bring in the challenge where there are a lot of applicants companies to screen through or does that ratio remain the same like because it's easy for people to like submit their applications do, uh, have you seen like a big inflow there or how does that part work one of the numbers in recruitment that people keep eye out on is the percentage of people who get hired 
you know, percentage of candidates who get hired or the number of applicants per hire. And that, that's a number that um, buyers used to look at and say, you know, I, I prefer buying my spending money with Nokri because on Nokri, I get, you know, 5% of my leads I converted to hires and, and compared with this other source where it's only 2%. And, and on Facebook, it's not good because it's only 1%. You know, you, and those numbers are just, you know, I'm, I'm picking them randomly. Those are not real numbers. But, but that would be the kind of argument that people would have. And it's not a good argument uh, because you should have the technology that can handle um, the conversion and the engagement with candidates. Whether you convert them at 0.5% or at 50%, it doesn't matter. But if you have a system that works automatically, that makes decision for you, or that can automate your decision, then you know the bigger the funnel, the better. You know you you want to you want to create a unique company culture where you you decided who you're going to hire from a large, large group of people. The larger, the better, because then you can really pick somebody who adheres to your values, your mission, who's you know really passionate about joining you, and doesn't just join you because you know they were the first candidate that, that meets your criteria. Absolutely. Also, regarding the current uh, scenario, like a lot of people are also, like a lot of companies have moved to working remote. Like what kind of trends are you seeing right now? Remote hiring is opening the talent pool considerably. So you can hire people from anywhere. The, the challenge for recruitment and especially in, in a sort of a high volume environment is when you have um, no physical connection where you cannot shake the hand of your, of your candidates and you cannot show them the office is how do you build enough connection and enough um, sense that this is a real opportunity. Uh, this is the real challenge now is, you know, for a candidate who is never going to meet you, who's never going to come to your office, how do you make them feel like this is a real job with a real community? So you have to invest a lot of time into creating that. And so what, what, I, what I found that's worked is uh, one, to do group interviews using like a, a Zoom call to talk to like five or 10 candidates at the same time so that they can interact with one another. And then, and then to do virtual career fairs where you, you give candidates a chance to interact with some of the colleagues, uh, the, some of their future colleagues before, uh, before onboarding. And uh, yeah, that, that, those are two, two things that are working well at the moment. That's a real, in, uh, real interesting insight. I think a lot of companies need to build this because as you mentioned that, how do people actually gain the trust? and go ahead and move for a remote working opportunity. In, ter in terms of uh, talk push, I also uh, noticed that you have open APIs where other uh, companies can go ahead and connect. So how does that whole ecosystem work? Well, the, the, the enterprise software vendors uh, can make it quite complicated uh, to integrate. And having an, having an API is an opportunity to to, to put the onus back on the legacy systems. Uh, because when, we, when we're coming in with a new customer and they're saying, can you integrate with this? Can you integrate with that? The answer can always be yes, yes we can. You know, and that's, that's the first benefit of having an API is you're, you're sending the signal to your customers and your prospective customers that you're easy to work with and you're well-documented and you know, you're, not gonna be, you're, you're not gonna be the roadblock. And, uh, and then, you know, 
whether whether our cust- our customers, other tech partners, are, are willing to work with our API, that's that's another story. You know, you've got to <laughs> got to make that work. So adoption is is still still something that we need to spend more time working on. But at least um, from from a communication standpoint and from a commercial standpoint, it does help us. Absolutely, and I see that there are a lot of options right now to connect. Like having that API lets any legacy system or lets you basically have have openness to basically connect and do whatever you want. It's it, it, that's the message, right? Is we're we're here to help and tell us. In fact, if there's stuff that's not supported by the API, we'll build it. It's so much so much easier to build something on your API than it is to build a custom integration. Absolutely. Since Talkpush has been has been growing over the years, I just wanted to like just get a sense of how big is it right now and how how are people actually using Talkpush? Like, have you seen interesting use cases from what you've built, like how people have adapted to it? Mainly, I'm referring back to what I was telling you earlier about the increase in volume and the fact that we're moving from traditional advertising channels to more high volume, social media driven hiring. And that's, yeah, that's quite, that's the shift that we're, we're helping large companies like Walmart or McDonald's or, you know, Genpact, we, we help them move a big, big portion of their hiring to, to social media and, and the volumes get much bigger. And, you know, every month, every month, the volumes are increasing. So I, I, I don't think I can, there's nothing that comes to mind with like a shocking user case or anything like that. It's more of a, you know, month by month, it's, it's moving and we did see a rapid change this year in 2020 because of the of, of the pandemic where companies that were still only doing 20, 30% of their hiring through social media, all, all of a sudden they went to 50, 60%. And so we saw that, but, but it was, it was within, it was a continuation of, of an existing trend. Noted, noted. And that's also from a talk pushes point of view, what do you think? Uh, see is the future of talk push like what what next for talk push we um we we connect with uh, the the mission and the purpose of people who are building automation from you know to, to take it a little bit to a philosophical level i i think that technology has an important role to play in liberating humanity from tedious work and Every, every sort of action that we can automate, we, we would take a great, great pleasure in that. We want to we build a, a company which is very strong on engineering and always looking to automate new actions within the recruitment environment. The recruitment environment is exciting because it, it's talking about putting people to work and, and helping them uh, put bread on the table and finding, finding work. So... As you know, we're we're very excited by just processing more and more volume, and we set as a target two years from now we want to help a million people uh, get employed every year. That's our that's our our target, and we're about ten percent of the way there. To get a million people get get employed every year would be uh, would be our north star at the moment. That's amazing, and also Max, from your career perspective, like. I just want to understand, like you've been in the hiring space, you've already built out companies. How exactly did it motivate you to get into the space in the first place? I, 
I think it's a process of elimination. I I think I I would never wanted to work in in advertising because I don't I don't I don't get excited about a world where people are driven by their consumerist uh, impulses, and I you know I, I don't want to build rocket ships because I don't I don't think I have the engineering savviness to to do something like uh, to do an Elon Musk, and and so. You know, it kind of happened a little bit through life. I was doing recruitment myself. I was feeling the pain of the repetitive nature of recruitment. And then I, uh, I, I took a lot of uh, joy in trying to solve the pain that I had experienced myself. And I would recommend to any entrepreneur well, or want to be entrepreneur to, to work on something that they've experienced themselves as a pain uh, because it, it does uh, give you a lot of purpose in the long run. Absolutely, absolutely, Mike. And also, what what keeps you going, and what's the motivation for you every single day? There is there is something that changes every every year as to where you find your motivation, and, and I think well, I, I really do think I change it on a regular basis. What, what drives my motivation? So, so in twenty twenty, it's a little bit. It's a lot about fighting through adversity, helping your customers go through through a difficult time and trying to create an environment which is nurturing in, uh, in a difficult time. Some, sometimes it's a little bit more about being aggressive and trying to eat market share. Personally, I, I walk as an entrepreneur, I walk towards you know, behaviors and, and attitudes that I, was, I didn't think I had it in me a few years back. And I think that you, you reach, you know, it's a completely different job every year, basically. As the company gets bigger, uh, you have more more people to manage, more people to motivate, uh, more stakeholders, more customers, and you have to you have to change the nature of your work. Generally, actually, by you reduce the amount of work that you do because you're not able to handle everything. You can't handle product, you can't handle sales as much as you used to, so you end up focusing on less and less, and and having to become much better at the at the stuff that you do focus on. So. Uh, it's very easy to stay motivated because it's it's a different job every year. That's amazing. And how also I want to uh, like just give the audience a general uh, insight into TalkPush. Like right now, in which geographies does TalkPush currently operate in? Uh, we operate in 15 countries. We have 60 employees working worldwide, uh, including in India, Malaysia, Philippines, Hong Kong, Mexico, Costa Rica, U.S., and in Africa and in Tunisia to be exact. And, and we're, we're looking to hire anywhere in the world, people who are passionate about data and who want to you know, be part of a, a automating recruitment, who, who, like, who connect with our, our mission. And we, we like working in markets where there's a lot of young, hungry job seekers. So you know, that's why emerging markets is our, is our favorite market to operate in. There's, there's just so much to do there, so much growth, and, and you can impact so many lives. So that's, that's where we do most of our revenue. That's great, man. And also some insights that uh, I'd want uh, you to share with the audience. Like, what are some resources that have helped you along the way, like in your entire journey? Well, uh, I think podcasts are good. I think traveling is good. Even though we can't travel right now, traveling is great because it gives you time away from your office, your desk, your email. 
and it forces you to think on your own far from all the usual distraction. And so traveling helps you plan. And for me anyway, you know, it's like a good break and forces me to think while I'm in the plane. And, and then you can listen to your podcasts and there's a lot of podcasts uh, like yours uh, that, that helps you connect with other entrepreneurs. And then uh, they all have, you know, there's, there's a list of about 10 or 20 books that almost every SaaS entrepreneur needs to read. And they're good to, to go back to uh, time and time again. I particularly like, I remember feeling, feeling um, quite energized by reading the, the book uh, Rework by the, the founders of Basecamp, which uh, take a different spin on, on the entrepreneurial journey and a different, a different take on, uh, on that journey from what we normally hear from the VC and the Silicon Valley crowd. So that's refreshing. I've read that myself as well. And I feel that a lot of those concepts really work well. Yeah, I made it mandatory reading in, in our company. So that's awesome. How can people reach out to you? Like in case if they'd want to like talk to you about recruiting or anything else, how can, what's the best way people could reach out to you? Well, hello at uh, talkpush.com is our general company email and, and you'll, you'll be able that you will end up in my inbox and I might, I might even reply to you <laughs> if, if I, if I can get, if I, if it can get through the spam filters. And other than that, please connect with me on LinkedIn, Max Elmbruster, Talk Push, and we'll be looking forward to make friends from the SaaS community. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Max. And thanks for sharing those insights with us as well. My, my pleasure, Abhilash. Thank you. Thank you.